Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down and enjoy yourself, grab a snack and have some fun. So welcome to this week's Talking Codswallop, and we are again doing Celluloid Codswallop, where we discuss all the uh, interesting, strange stuff, things in relation to film and cinema, and all the crazy things that happen in between. So wonderfully again this week, I'm joined by Joanne. Hi, James. Hello, Joanne, and we are doing a review of Picard. We are now up to episode six. Oh, so excited. We're getting there. We are getting towards the end, and this one is called The Impossible Box. So, without further <laughs> to do, or ado, yeah, <laughs> The Impossible Box. Yes, that's why I'm laughing. It is, I mean, come on, tell me a euphemism for something. <laughs> well, you have considering, to <laughs> considering the way we discuss the, the sheer filth that is this show. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of boxes going on. Oh, well, in this episode, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm intrigued to see, Joanne, what your take is on certain things that happen in this episode. So I'm going to hit the play button because there's ever have it running in the background. And it was an interesting opening. We've gone from horror porn in the last episode uh, with people getting their eyes and things ripped out. And we've opened to sort of classic haunted house style opening. And we we see a little girl who is going down the hall, she's asking for a daddy, uh, going to a room. And it's it's gone with an interesting, weird sort of tilt to the way it's shot. But it's actually a really well-shot sort of piece, this, uh, for, for an opener. Very good, uh, clear, lovely lines of colour. And I like the way they've done it, even though it's obviously within the dark. It's a very good picture. They've got in the usual thing. The girl's got the door, a bit of shadow on her face, and she looks in. Now, not the sort of room you equate to a horror sort of setting, because basically it's like she's got into a greenhouse within a house. Um, and then the little girl's going in, and it's it's cut in that usual style where you can't sort of see what's happening. There's obviously some guys in the background, and it's Soji. Uh, she's the back of her dad. Now, at this point, again, clearly Cheese has played a heavy part in the show here, because Soji's yeah. having weird Bitch dreams. Yeah. Yep. Bitches definitely be tripping. Actually, the one thing I have to say... The um the young girl that plays Suji, brilliant yeah. actor, really good wee actress. Um, mm. certainly gives the feeling of when you're a kid and you're going down, go you're in your own house and it, it all seems unreal to you and you don't almost like you don't recognise it or it's terrifying, but she looks just like the adult version of her. Mm. I thought it was very very interesting. But yes, all those orchids in the room it gives it a kind of a, a spooky look and of course you know that the orchids were referred to by Naj in episode mm. one because her dad read them and uh, and is that a reference to the duality you know the twins and does he he seems to breed two at a time and then of course he's got the you know those two those two young girls so are they the orchids something that's been spliced mm. by Maddox but of course she doesn't realise at this point that there's a connection with Maddox doesn't realise mm. at all 
What I liked also, the girl they cast, it's the same thing with the actress who plays Soji as an adult. They've got very sort of big, expressive eyes. So, so again, I think that really helped. But they also had lovely eyes. Now, we're back in basically the, you know, the dark and trippy uh, Hellraiser-style dressed Interestingly, always, as you put it out before, always seem to be wearing cast-off sportswear clothing when they sleep. Yes, another one that's still out, that's still sponsored by Sports Direct. Definitely. <laughs> I, I don't know whether they're some sort of uh, scrotes on the run, or as we would call them over here, you know, a couple of Asbo kids. These <laughs> once again in her in her sports bra. As I still think it's fantastic that they can have sex with their clothes on in today's modern society. But yes, they're, they're, he once again is drilling her. I'm doing bunny ear quotes here with my fingers. <laughs> and to put some doubt in her in her head as to what she really is. Mm. I, I thought that was me personally. I'd be just telling her to fuck right off. Because he, 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 he so weirdly says to her, doesn't he? I'm not. I'm not that person. That's not Narek is not my name. Uh, and so, yeah, he basically left her. He, well, he's trying to mess with her head, isn't he? Um, yeah. What I also found really interesting was when he, he's left the room and you were, to, you know, a point we discussed about things being shown up in the dream. It's very interesting. On her bedside table, she has a picture of her and her sister and her mum, but she also has a, a, a mannequin, a wooden, sort of like those posable model figures. That was a nice bit of fore- foreshadowing in their part. Nice, nice little tweak there that you don't realise at the time, but really that's part of a puppet almost. Oh, yes, it certainly is. And I'm sure this brought great pleasure to you, Joanne. We cut to your favourite character ever. Oh, God, Agnes. <laughs> why? And there's a seat. I'm sure you you know rightly what I was thinking. There's a scene later on with Agnes, and I'm thinking, no way, I want to throw up. It just turned me completely. I just didn't like it at all. Oh, yeah. When I saw that, I was so looking (laughs) forward to our discussion. So looking forward to it. Maybe literally fuck anything. They're all sat around the table. They're discussing basically the the death of Maddox, and you know she's feigning, she's really upset. You know, not discussing that she's killed him. Yeah, um, exactly. Oh well, it was really it was really terrible. Yeah, he just didn't die quick enough for me. Is what she's thinking. And I still don't. I still think that that's a plot hole with not having the EMH. Richard um, Betterbahot, that's right, the EMH. Uh, you know, not interrogating him. The fact that he was a witness to. Maddox's murder. I still think that's a wee bit strange and a bit of a plot hole. It is, because you would think the EMH would have some sort of like hard drive mm-hmm. that kept a record. If you think about it logically, you would expect there'll be, you know, if the EMH sees something going down that shouldn't be going down, he would, he, you know, he'd alert someone else, definitely. But you'd also think that there'll be some record that at some point the captain or somebody else would go, wow, the poor old Maddox croaked it. There was only one person with him which was Agnes, maybe we should have a look at the, uh, it looks like security footage of us, isn't it? Let's just have a look to see what's happened. Yeah, because there's surely it's almost like a form of autopsy. He he had injuries. They're not exactly sure yeah. what all the injuries were. Surely to goodness, they would want to know for the medical records. Yes. Yeah. It was a plot hole for me. 
why I think the worst thing that they did was bring the EMH in at that bit. If they could have got away, we would have been saying that the EMH not appear, and then you'd have been speculating, oh, maybe she was going to turn him off in some way. The fact that he was there, sloppy, I think, really sloppy in the right. You're right, that is sloppy, Ryan. It would have made more sense to just not have the EMH there. It would have given her a total out for what she'd done. I don't think she's too worried about it in some ways, the fact she's killed Maddox. I think she feels justified in her actions. She's upset, but she feels justified. Because of what she was told by Captain Roy Orbson or Commander Roy Orbson. No, what do you call Commodore? <laughs> Mr. Orbison, yeah. Or Miss, sorry, Mrs. Miss Orbison. But the yep. interesting thing is, they do say it gets easier after the second one, don't they? And we know that yeah, Agnes has already right. killed. We know Agnes has already killed one person. Yeah. And they do. They always say that about blowjobs as well. Once you get past the first one, you'll be grand. Just swallow on. You'll get used to it. Second one on, you'll be grand. Uh, I can't comment on that because I have no frame of reference. So. <laughs> I didn't think you'd heard me the first time I said that. I did. I just thought, yeah, I can't really comment. I have no frame of reference. This. <laughs> so, to try and make it slightly, I'll drag us slightly out of the filth, only slightly. Um, they're all, so basically, Tickle Me Elnor, whatever the hell he's, yeah, it is Elnor, isn't it? Tickle Me Elnor, we now christened him, appears. And they discuss the Borg and uh, the impact it had on Picard and the fact that he was assimilated. And I love this for reaction because Agnes, he sort of said, I'm really sorry we had to learn all about you inside of school and stuff and what happened with the Borg. And she's saying, well, maybe the Borg could have changed. And I love the fact that you got a real emotional response from Picard. It made me think of the emotional responses he had in the film First Contact. where he's, Yes, correction as well. Yeah. Correction too, the last one. Just really angry. This is a man that had been pushed to the edge. His humanity had been taken off him, and who suffered yeah. still from PTSD even thirty years on. You don't yeah. get over something like that. And it's again the sort of way that Picard first contact. So he's saying all these things happen, and we sort of like we back off. We won't sort of like stand and sort of fight. And we're tr- well, in this case, he's sort of he's saying there is no excuse for these the behaviour that these people bring up. Elnor again shows his lack of understanding i think they're trying to make him a bit of a, a sl- give him slightly comedy elements because he talks about so did i butt in but you are right in what you said about the fact that picard is really sort of he's showing extreme uh, ptsd just on the edge because when he goes back to his like fake office uh fakes yeah his fake office study thing in there <laughs> i love that that's the fo yes from now on it'll be the fo <laughs> <laughs> So he sits in the FO, but he's like, he's having a real breathing problem, isn't he? Because he's sort of like panting and, well, hyperventilating a little, I guess. The one thing I actually noticed about Picard in this episode, now maybe he's, he has been all the same all the way through, but I noticed how very old uh, Picard was. And this one, he just seemed worn down a bit more. And, well, it actually, in some ways, isn't bad because by this time, somebody of his age who has gone through all this, whose hips don't seem to break, you know, who eats a lot of cheese. Maybe there's something in cheese. Maybe we just need to eat more cheese. It'd probably help us too. But calcium. <laughs> calcium. Calcium. Fucking brilliant. That's true. But he um, he just seems older to me in this episode. I noticed that too. So I, I have a feeling that, because I, I was thinking, is it just me? That must be an intentional thing to show that he's sort of, He's worn down by all this. Uh, and it will have obviously had an emotional impact on him. And the big, you see a brilliant, I think I'm, I think this is wonderful stuff. When he goes to his computer, he asks it to search for, I'm going to call it the reservation, or I've got the name wrong, but the, the, the air in question. 
<laughs> the artifact. That's the. I'm not even close, am I? A reservation. <laughs> Maybe it's a, there's a gambling casino on it as well to try and raise funds for the locals. <laughs> Hang on. Can I just ask John, will you be my Irish home help who looks after me? <laughs> I fucking could. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't You're remember miss- anything now. <laughs> I could be your space, Mrs. Doyle. Go yeah. on, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> so, was it the artifact? <laughs> Oh, yes, it was a reservation. <laughs> By the time he gets on to it, he has kind of made a reservation. Yes. <laughs> it's like you're patting me on the head there. Good boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So he looks for, he asks for the searchers of the artifact, the bog, and whatever the, the third thing was, and he comes up with stuff, and he, he, he goes onto his computer and he sees Hugh in his original bog format then he gets to see Hugh as he is now and he's looking at sort of other bits um, of like the reverse technology and the work on the bog and then it cuts to him as Locutus and does this really cool sort of like overlay of image yeah um, that was did really appreciate it so clever yeah but I love the moment when he touches his face um, when he's looking at it which is what I'm looking at right now and it shows doesn't it that the the, the the emotional impact and the physical impact this has had on him. Um, I get with that. So I got the impression Picard's re- you know, reassuring himself that he's okay. That it's yeah, it's almost like phantom limb syndrome. Plus, he could probably still feel where they were. You know, when somebody loses an arm or a limb, yeah, they yeah, can still f- and they get itchy. So I wonder, was he sort of getting like phantom limb implants sensation? I don't, he could still I don't feel think of that. That's a very good point you've got there. Because, well, if you think about I mean, the thing, uh, just a side note that I always like, well, not like, but I've always noticed uh, with uh, Locutus against any other sort of Borg. When you look at the other Borg, they all look like, you know, they've all got limbs hacked off and eyes missing. And even when they're trying to put them back together, they're still looking a bit knackered. He's the only sort of one when he was the cutest of Borg who didn't seem to have had too much ripped off him. You know, he still had both eyes, didn't he? And obviously that's because yeah. they want to make Patrick Stewart obvious as Patrick Stewart and probably emote with his eyes more. But I always thought it was an interesting little thing. I mean, obviously there's there's other reasons behind it, like I, I said, but Picard was lucky in that element. Although he did have his arm chopped off, I think, didn't he? I think he did. He probably was, the, the, the Borg probably called him Le Cute Ass. <laughs> is that well, you've seen him hung up <laughs> yep that was that scene in torture garden forever he would be forever known then as lacute ass I, the other thing that if you to to um analyze the thing with lacutus of course he was designed to be a bridge wasn't he between the bog and humanity so maybe they wanted to retain more of his human elements and features. Um, I mean, it's still a bit of an odd link between, you know, bridge between humanity and the bog. You know, we've taken one of your people, we've assimilated them, uh, but we'll try and create some sort of link, but it's still like a bit of a, you know, an F you to the human race, isn't it? Because we, we won't demolate you anyway. Yeah, he's kind of become a honey trap for humans. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Look at that good looking board there. Aha, uh-huh, come with me and you'll be assimilated in that the sexual way wasn't a come on. <laughs> yeah, we will service you. No, oh, no, you must service us, sorry. I gotta assimilate you well from behind. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just preparing 
not just our lovely, sweet, gentle, salty tadpole listeners. I'm preparing Joanne for this next part <laughs> to get herself emotionally ready. So we cut to the captain. Uh, uh, yeah. Send <laughs> to yourself, darling. Send to yourself. <laughs> so the captain's playing football. Oh, gosh. Shitless yeah. football. I have a hard-on for that bit, but later on, I definitely would have uh, impotence, impotency. <laughs> yeah. I'd never get a hard-on again. Had I. So the, captain, the captain is playing shirtless football, and in walks Joanne's favourite character of the Agnes. Um <laughs> The, the 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 sharing a drink the captain is well prior to the captain's going I'm really sorry I didn't wait you know hoping it wait you up and no no we're okay she's doing that long staring look where because he asked her about Maddox you know I gathered you were close and you can talk to me all about it and then I just want to say I was right because <laughs> I did yeah. early on say this oh dear goodness um she she kisses him and I thought I would fucking slap you for that if I was if I was the captain, because you're one horrible, horrible woman. I don't find her attractive. Now, I do find women attractive, and I do not find that one attractive at all. If I had a neighbor, maybe made her look more like seven at nine, that's fine. I would have probably forgiven her everything. Probably would have forgiven her for wiping out half the galaxy, but Agnes, no. Get your filthy damn mitts. <laughs> What's it? Your damn... Oh, no, there's a quote from Planet of the Apes now that's just completely gone. <laughs> Yeah, well, the one you're looking for is take your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. That's it. <laughs> I was getting all, I was getting back to front, but uh, yes. So she comes on to him, and then she plays that. Oh no, I, I really couldn't. I couldn't really sleep with you at all. Well, okay then, maybe just for a wee while. <laughs> on a pure visual standpoint, I had to laugh when he dropped the football. <laughs> if I, if you step back and look at this, so imagine this situation. So Maddox, who. I don't know if it's supposed to be known that, you know, Agnes said relationship with Maddox, but obviously he knows that they've been close. So let, let's look at this logic. So Agnes is the last person who was with him when he died. She seems to be happily throwing herself at, hit at the captain. I know about the rebound theory, but I'd be a little unsure whether I'd want to be around Agnes, who I'm honest. You know, yeah. could be a bit risky. Yeah, she's a black widow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Really, that's what she is. Well, she uh, she has a strange effect on men. Kills them. <laughs> <laughs> she just she fucks them and she fucks them hard. If you're really lucky, it's sexually. If you're unlucky, she pulls the plug on your life support system. <laughs> Unless, do you think she could have a batch of cookies that she's <laughs> two people with? <laughs> She's oh, like a really bad little red riding hood <laughs> in her basket. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. She could even pull off that look, couldn't she? Because she looks young. And she, well, what she does is, I've noticed she does that big eye crap, doesn't she? Oh, you know, to, uh, quote, to, to go with the Doctor Who quote, you know, uh, how do you do when he's talking, uh, this is from a while back, I'd watched a thing of it online recently where he's talking to Clara and he goes, you're doing that thing with your eyes, how do you do that? They almost inflate. It's that sort of thing. She's but, got the whole manga character look about her right now. God, yeah, yeah. She's, she's one of the Pokemon characters, one of the really nasty ones. I'm at that age where I don't really understand Pokemon, so please, 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 please feel free to choose whatever one you think is most suitable for this conversation. But you are right. Actress has got an almost not quite real look to her. Like she's, oh God, maybe we've stumbled on something. Oh. She's a sin. Could it be? Wow. Here, see if it isn't. 
If you're listening to the CBS, fucking write that in because that'll floor everybody. No one will guess that at all. Well, I just had a thing. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong quite easily. But think about it. She learned something about the synth stuff. She'd be a perfect sleeper agent as a doctor. And she doesn't quite look like you would expect someone to look. Hmm. That actually worries me slightly because so far this is Naj and Soji, which means yeah. who the hell is the other Agnes out there? And please don't let us meet her. <laughs> well, anyway, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Who will know? Who, who, well, we're going to find out, aren't we? I just find it scary that we've been pretty good on stuff so far that's turned out to be true. I'm still waiting yeah. for the orgasm Borg, though. Anyway. Yes, the Lannisters in space. The, the old Borg. Well, the old Borg, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> so we've gone from Agnes, who is not loved by Joanne, and I can take her or leave her, find her a very bizarre character to the character the, the the two most screwed up people i think probably in the entire show <laughs> they are so good they are so good together i mean that sister i mean like you would wouldn't you if that was your sister well, you would you could you definitely want to <laughs> what i do like about them i've worked out to be a romulan you've got a very good bone structure oh, oh fabulous and eyebrows and cheekbones and you're set. Yeah. Again, creepily, we turn up in the bedroom <laughs> for these two. <laughs> There's that. Jamie and Cersei Lannister were, were in bedrooms less than these two <laughs> in all six seasons of Game of Thrones. These two mm. definitely definitely have touched them more in all sorts of ways. Uh, there are a lot of sexual innuendo in this particular scene as well. Talking about <laughs> Soji's impossible box and fiddling yeah. with it as they were sent to get her open. We thought, okay. I can't tell half the time whether she's turned on or very jealous or both. Mm. I mean, you are right about the weird sort of touch and things. She's talking about the weird little, like, you know, basically it's like a um, Rubik's Cube thing that he's got. But again, she does like the, the way she reaches and touches his face and stuff. The whole thing, it's like a very weird, it's always a really weird sort of flirty element between them. There the must be something that's not expected about the fact that um, she, you know, she dreams, doesn't she? Which Yes, that was not the sister doesn't quite see the importance actually of the dreams, but Nar Narek does. He can understand what does he call her? Her neural pathways are auto heuristic, always seeking and forming more efficient connections, which is somehow given her an unconscious mind. Yes, I'm just reading. <laughs> she can probably tell yeah. and memorize any of that. But it's interesting just that the AI is so sophisticated that, that it learns and the subconscious has become part of that and it's filtering old memories and making new memories and possibly new memories to give herself cover because instinctively she may know she's under threat. Because what he's saying is that by the fact she can dream and they call it like a backdoor trap system on computers where you can like, I'm assuming the idea is that he can sort of like picks, you know, he can like mess around with the brain enough to, to mm -hmm. get the required information he needs. Um, but, Basically, yeah, the, the, the sister's just basically, you know, wrapping him him around her finger, really. So saying, yeah, you know, you're going to find all this stuff out. Um, it keeps, even makes the mocking comment earlier on about, you know, what are you going to do? I've like weird freakish robot families sort of thing. <laughs> that would be quite good. If they all look like, like, mid, like the tiny Soji, be really attractive looking wee kids. <laughs> yeah, with weird ears. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't really find Narek very attractive, to be honest. I'd, I'd do his sister, but I wouldn't do him. I don't. It's the eyebrows. There's too much hair going on. His now, sister got all the good looks in the family. Definitely. Now, the weird little box opens and it has like a, I don't know, it's like a crusty music box and the box out of Hellraiser, isn't it, really? 
going back to the Hellraiser analogy. It's, it's like a, a strange double- one. Here, here's a thought. Do you remember? Uh, in, in, I've just thought of this. Remember in the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the funny farm part of the of the artifact, there was all the mm. Romulans who had been assimilated, and one was yes. found with a cube. It must have been oh, one yeah. of those. Interesting. Yeah. So everything does sort of interlink. Now they cut back to the ship where our collective merry band of people are there, and they're working out that it's going to be incredibly difficult to get onto the um, to the ship. Uh, well, the, the, the cube, uh, the, the reservation cube, as I lovely will now <laughs> refer to it. And what's well, the artifact, isn't it? So they basically say that like, to get onto the reclamation, the artifact, it's going to be like pretty much impossible to do it. Um, and they want to try and get diplomatic credentials, which would be pretty impossible. None of them have any sort of diplomatic credentials or diplomacy anymore. They don't work there. They don't work for the Federation. So they drag out... <laughs> <laughs> and it's, that was a bad scene. That was yeah. just another reason why that was a bad scene that they dragged Rafi out. They effectively crucified their friend there and then. Most her. Here she is, the burnt out cop. It, we knew this that she was trade yeah. spotting in that room. We talked about it the last time. Seeing <laughs> babies walking across the ceiling. Uh, fighting suppositories in toilets. Whatever all the weird things that happened in train spotting that time to you McGregor, and they dragged her out of her room so that she could. She could wangle a diplomatic pass to get on to the artifact. And she lost a friendship out of that. Basically, give her a round of applause. There's no support. There's none None of this. Look at her. She's fucking half out of her tree. Could you have even trusted her? The state she was in, they're very unfair. A friend of mine as well, he also made the comment on Facebook the other day that the, that the actress, um, you'd think she'd never she'd never been drunk in her life because she doesn't seem to know how to act like somebody who's drunk. <laughs> And that's true. The acting, every time they give her something that's not a straight bit of acting, I think she mm. struggles. And the actress mm. struggles. She does know how to do somebody stoned. And having seen people stoned, that's not somebody stoned. I mean, you are. I mean, I do think you see this brilliant jump from someone who's supposed to be like, wasted to managing to hold it all together brilliantly and sell it. And I like that fact she takes a shot at JL. <laughs> Yeah. So, which he looks rather shocked at. She referred to him as being like really, um, like basically like ego driven, isn't she? And saying it's all id based with regard to him, which he looks rather shocked at. But you are right because she basically strong arms this commander to help and get some fake stuff for um, Picard to get in. Because what she's basically saying is, oh, well, we're going to be there in three hours, and that really puts the pressure on uh, on the the commander to help them and basically then just says you know it's over uh, as you said our friendship is over and huh? you re- you realized how incredibly damaged she is as a person don't you yeah it's sad because that 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 other starfleet officer emmy her name was called uh i mean her concern is the fact that they're coming out of the neutral zone into romulan airspace and that's an act of war yeah, any, yeah yeah without any approval to start off with and effectively um, Rafi has blackmailed her but then yeah. in some ways she's a victim of blackmail as well her her colleagues, her comrades had put her in a situation and she feels obliged to have to do it so a wee bit of emotional blackmail on their part I think they're sure bastards like for doing that on her apart from Tickle Me Elmo who has the fucking clue what's going on anyway Yeah, but you do see I mean Rafi's broken emotionally and you can see it's hit her when a friend's basically saying don't contact me again she said they'll give her a big round of applause and make out she's great but i think the captain is the only one 
who really recognises what a state she's in. Um, I recognise that Jean-Luc has to... I mean, he looks... He, he shows a look of relief, but I think he's probably feeling guilt. But yeah, they do seem to have hung her out to dry a bit, and she's in a... It, it, I found it a sad scene, so I'm glad to see I'm not the only person who felt that, but you just see what a mess she is. You know, she's an emotionally fragile person. Um, I'd suspect she's got some sort of mental health problems bubbling under the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially now, he's just lost another friend. Yeah. Couple of the fact that if you think about the the, the difficulties she's had when her son's basically like told her to never darken his doorway again. Yeah, she's going to be in a bit of a state, to put it mildly. Yeah, I suppose. You know what? Uh, uh, this captain did the decent thing. He took her back to her room. Back, yeah. yes, her back to her room. I was going to say his room, yeah. but that was your other woman. The other one, he he made her a coffee. Or did yeah. he make her? Or later on, he makes her coffee. Yeah, but later on, later on. But that wee act of kindness isn't really enough to make up for what she's just lost. No, uh, and really, Rafi, we you the, the the entire pe you know the entire people there owe a hell of a lot to her because she's the one who's pulled most of the stuff together. I mean, you see, I'm going to quickly gloss over it. But you see, we uh, we bit of interaction between uh, Narek and um, Soji. Uh, but yeah, she is. She's she's in a state, and she's she's in the room, and she's saying to him, you know, to the captain who he's called Chris, uh, which I'd forgotten, that basically, you know, I've got a child who's now an adult. He's he's, he's disowned me. You know, I'm in a real mess, and it's something that obviously she's unburdening herself to him. Um, and yeah, it's it's difficult. It is. It's an awful situation because really, as difficult as things have been throughout the show, this is the first time we've really seen a a, a big emotional reaction in, from that character, anyway. Um, but yeah, what a to drag it down, <laughs> to drag it into into away from our usual happy-go-lucky laughing at it thing. I did find this a very uh, a very difficult thing to watch. I felt deeply sorry for it. Yeah, me too. And he he even sort of blows her off a wee bit. You know, we all can't get it right. Well, yeah, yeah mate, we all can't get it right. But that doesn't mean to say that you shaft me whenever I'm down. Yeah. You're, my, you're one of my oldest friends. I expect you to look after me. And how much is, makes me wonder in some ways, how much is he doing this for the thrill and how much of it's for the money? I think he he's a rogue or possibly he's wanting to try and be a rogue to get away from his hero, hero side. It's just a wee bit of a mishmash. The characters in some ways aren't consistent. I know people generally are out in life, but it's hard to sort of find a baseline with them. Like there's maybe different writers writing them at, at certain times than there is others. You, I, I don't know. I, the support cast to me has become very cliched, just generally. Yeah. I don't think they're they're very well fleshed out. I think they've had an idea that maybe, okay, we need this sort of character, and we need that sort of character, and we need need one of this age, we need one of that ethicness, ethnicity or whatever the word is. Well, then it doesn't matter who the person is or what they are. Let's just write a really good character and then find the best person for the role. doesn't yes. matter. Yeah. Rather than... Because I'm, I'm not even convinced in some ways we've maybe got the best actors for the role. Hmm. I mean, I think probably there's also changes in some of the consistency over the fact that obviously it's a different director for each each episode, so it depends what they're going to want from from that person. Um, I mean, I think the people are trying the best they can with what they've got. I, I'm not trying think, to take a big a big knock at the beat. No, I think it's difficult whenever your scripts aren't great. I mean, it's 
it's something that certainly is easy to level at Doctor Who at times. Uh, the last two seasons, some great ones this this uh, season, but mm. Capaldi's first few seasons, the writing just let him down. And you can mm. have the best actor in the world, but if the writing isn't good, it's it struggles. And, and to be honest, for this episode, I struggled until later on, until it started yes. to catch my interest again because of the cliche. And I thought, you're really not going anywhere with the series. And I'm starting to get a wee bit annoyed. I would have still been watching by now, only because of my love of Trek. Is that, mm. is that what's keeping going? Because at times there's not an awful lot to engage me. One of the best characters is definitely uh, the sister, Nerissa. Yes. The kinky, yes. kinky Romulan. She could just she could just dominate the scene. If you just put her in Seven of Nine in every every episode, I'd die happy. I, I know she said dominate. I know she said dominate a scene. I definitely could see her being the dominating oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, her, her and uh, her and Seven could run some club. Like they really could. If they're really a club, I'm signing up for membership straight away. I want to be in that club. <laughs> you and me both. I would gladly be a sub on this occasion. <laughs> they can do whatever the hell they want to me. <laughs> yeah. It's those ears. On certain women, those ears. And they don't have to. Here, there's the other thing. They don't have the ridges on their forehead. So they must be the awkward northern Romulans. Laris <laughs> <laughs> was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Or, oh, hang on. Is it, is it the northerners that have the bumpy bits? Or is, no, or the northerners have the bumpy bits. So uh, Narek and his sister are southerners then? That explains yeah. why she's so good looking. <laughs> 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 Sorry about my northern folks. <laughs> But that explains why she's still being looking. <laughs> Sorry. Right. So we, we, we go from the ship, the land of depression, to even a bit more depression. And I love that watching this scene now as it's in front of me, and I've not noticed this until now, and if you stare at it too much, it really messes your eyes up, but they do something called the Dutch tilt, which is where the camera goes to a funny angle. And it comes from a thing that they used to do on the old Batman series where they sort of like slant the screen. Ah, yeah, it's where you get like an angle shot. They used to do it a lot in the old Batman 66 show called The Dutch Tilt. So Soji's sat and she's clearly not feeling good. She knows there's something wrong. And she's on the telephone, so to speak, to her mum. She's saying, I don't feel well. I'm not gr- I'm not feeling good at all. And a mum says to her, you know, why don't you try going to sleep? You know, lie down. You're working too hard. And she's, for some reason, Soji stabs herself in the hand uh, or, you know, thumps herself she does and that's you know the reason why she did that as well in this scene that was earlier narc mentions about her dreams they're talking about her dreams just why don't you talk to your mum ah um, so she's making sure she's awake yeah because he had mentioned before that the calls are only lasting 70 seconds so she's thinking right if i can stay awake and i'll prove him wrong well that's my yeah. understanding anyway uh, and so she can feel herself starting to drowse off, you know doze off yeah. So she stabbed stuff in her hand, which I felt like doing many a time in work, to be perfectly honest, in the afternoon. Stabbing myself in the hand to stay awake because I'm, <laughs> I'm disinterested. But she, I think I think it actually doesn't work. She falls asleep. She still goes to sleep. It's not right and wakes up later. Well, the question I started to really ask myself watching this scene, and we'll see, I want to see what your view on this is, Joanne. I don't think Soji's mother exists in any sort of real form. No, she's an AI. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I, I thought, 
Was there some, maybe it was something I've read. The, the mother is definitely an AI. Uh, and whenever the AI comes to life, it means that the the twins are in trouble. So they, they, they right. function along okay. But once the AI comes in, it's, it's because that there's there's other factors that they need support or maybe it's running diagnostics on them at the same time. Possibly. It was just this, I mean, the big giveaway of it being an AI is like the way it, it sort of did this weird, like, flicker interaction thing with the, towards the end of the conversation. She then she's out for the count. And then we cut back to, obviously, the, the intrepid crew with Picarda turning up to the uh, the Borg reclamation, whatever the hell it is, cube. And the set deal is that Picard can only go onto the uh, the Cuba on his own, and he has again the real a real PTSD response, doesn't he? He's having flashbacks to his assimilation and when he was the cutest, and you can see it really taking its toll on him. Uh, and it's interesting how much you see it taking its toll on him now, as opposed to. And I'm going to go back to discuss it, but in first contact with all the situations with the Borg, he had a few flashes where he discussed assimilation issues, and obviously gets upset where he smashes up his office sort of thing, the, 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 the ready room. This is the first time, whether it's the fact that Picard got older or the pressures he's feeling being so close to the cube, but you see that he, the emotional impact he's having on him yet again, because he has yes. a look of real anguish. He does. And it was actually, it was very, very well done because it has all sorts of images from various the films and also the TV series as well. I mean, archive images seen on the, Oh, that's on the computer. But but it just, I mean, some of the, the areas, I'm just reading something here. Uh, you know, it's first contact and it's the different, there was different episodes. I thought I actually had a note of them there of where he, he could see his own crew being assimilated and then his own assimilation and constant flashbacks. And it was nice because it tied into McCard's history and the old TV series as well. So for anyone who had watched them previously, they went, Oh, I remember that. That was a nice sort of little throwback. We we get we better get there for the fans. And what I also noticed, going back to what we discussed earlier about the fact that Picard looked a lot older in this episode. Um, now I suspect it's partly in the way that he's been shot and the way he's been dressed. Because they've dressed him in darker colours, so he looks slimmer, but he looks a lot frailer. Yes, he and really does. Uh, and the point after he's and I've, I've sort of just been seeing it in front of me now, but there's a point where he crosses to walk to see Elnor, and he looks like this very much a little old man, the way he's holding his body, he's got his hands in his pockets, and he is, he's looking. In a, a way we've never seen Picard look that sort of vulnerable before. It's sad. Um, it really yeah. is. And if that's acting, it's particularly good acting. If not, it's it's um, it's the person themselves. Maybe, maybe at that point... Uh, Patrick Stewart was just exhausted from the shooting because you think about it, he features in so much of it. Yeah. And, and at that age, that's that's a long day shooting all the time on the set. True. It's hot. It's my God. It's like a convention. It's hot. It's sweaty. <laughs> there are lights. <laughs> You're in costume. <laughs> yeah. There's flus knocking about. There's weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's in fact. The way you can look at a convention being even more like the ball cube, it's hot, it's dark, there are people in, uh, you know, skin-tight costumes. It's probably a bit smelly and sweaty. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Do the Borg use deodorant or ha- have their armpits been simulated? Well, 
I would hope they've been shot full of like some sort of you know thing that stops them sweating. But ooh, oh god, can you imagine? Oh god, can you imagine how smelly they'd be? Well, you'd, we'd, you'd mentioned before that you thought the artifact was very... Well, we both had talked about the fact that it was very student accommodation. <laughs> and it was kind of wet, old beer and sex. Oh, God, I bet when you walk in, you can, you know, not only smell, but I bet you taste it, but the air's thick. <laughs> you and breathe formal- it through your mouth. Yeah, and formaldehyde with all the, you know, the, the body parts. <laughs> so basically, it's not where you'd want to spend your holiday, that's for sure. Just <laughs> more. It's a sexy morgue. Oh gosh. Oh, oh, oh my God! You know what? If you had sex with the bog, would you technically be committing necrophilia? Yeah. Well, imagine all the devices and the tools that they use. Mm. No. Well, that might it just might get a bit bad. interesting. For some wee spinny whirly things that I think they could, depend on the speed, could come in very useful. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. It was just such a dark place, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. There seems to be yeah. no lights in the artifact either, so yeah, it's a pretty dark place. All I say is it's so wrong, it could almost be right. Again, we're always fucking right, admit it. <laughs> yeah, so... Speaking of student accommodation, Sochi's room really does look like a student accommodation to me. You know, bed, chair. I mean, it's a nice big student accommodation, but, you know, bed, computer, everything's all in one room, and she starts going over all her photographs, which strangely look like 20th century photographs to me, but we'll put that to one side. Um, through a thing that tells you the it tells you the age, doesn't it, of the, I, the items. And I'm going to do a Kevin Smith moment. 37 is the magic number here. She also has all these sketch drawings as well up around the wall, but uh, yes, 37. And judging by her response, whenever she finds out everything's 37 months, even yeah. her necklace, she's going through the terrible threes because she throws off <laughs> the wobbler and destroys everything like a bad-tempered toddler. But, yeah, it's 37. So everything's come for 37 months, and it's not, you know, the, the magic 37 is not the Kevin Smith 37 dicks in a row. Um, it is just the age of this stuff. But how unbelievably terrifying must this be? You know, if it, if it was real, that everything that you think you know, all these years of memories you have, are just 37 months worth of of, um, of of time. You know, things have all been produced. It also means that Narek is a paedophile, um, but we'll put that to one side for a minute. Paedophile and incest. See, the thing is, if Narek hadn't been there full of all that information and twisting her mind, which you've maybe just thought that, the reader was was malfunctioning because it came up for the exactly the same uh, reading every time. You'd, you'd probably mm. think, this thing's fucked. Yeah, it's just you not would. right. You're, oh, my good grief. I've only been alive for 37 months. Yeah. Under normal circumstances, you just think that this is wrecked. Excuse me. Well, you would. You would initially think, oh, there's just a malfunction here. But I wonder if on, on top of the you know the mind games on top of the way she's been feeling she obviously unfortunately realizes this is the route of the situation but putting aside the fact that she's hanging around with some dirty pedo um dirty other than the fact that he's a pedophile he will be dirty being on that ship because we all know how funky and disgusting he is uh with nc picard beaming and he has another horrible ptsd flashback moment where he actually physically drops doesn't he through the the turmoil, the emotional turmoil he's feeling, but I also wonder, he still has some sort of link to the collective, whether he's having flashes of things that are going on around him. 
Yes, and that was the bit, sorry, I was ref- referred to, that's bits from the series that he's seen and the films, yeah. those flashbacks. He nearly falls off the uh, that walkway as well. It's it's quite a, a dangerous moment for Picard. He's quite precarious. We wonder, is he going to fall to his death, ironically, on the artifact? But probably not because he's the main character. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You believe the struggle is real at that point. You, you genuinely think, yes, this this is a man who's gone and he's just been faced with his worst fears. The last thing Jean-Luc would want to ever do is go on to a cube again. And probably he doesn't completely believe that it is, uh, you know, severed from the collective that maybe there's a part of it that's still alive that will get him like the boogeyman. Well, it, it would be understandable. I mean, he's been through so much that it is going to be, it's like what basically you walk back into your worst nightmare, haven't you? You have no control. You don't know what's going on. He And now there is a shot. You're right. He's having all these flashbacks to um, things from the film, things from the TV, uh, things from First Contact and things from the show that intertwine what's happening. And the arm, he gets his arm grabbed. Now, I, th- I think they intercut it with a scene or it's a scene they've filmed where I would wager that the arm that you see grabbing where he sort of goes, like, get off me, to this arm. Just only this arm grabbing is probably Alice Krieg's arm, or it's designed to like Alice Krieg's arm, who was the Borg Queen. It's, it, it, it's a woman's arm. It's a long, sort of slender arm. Now, I could be wrong, but I wondered if that was the idea. And I thought that when I first ever saw the shot. But it turns out these people, he has a voice shout to him, uh, these people, these Borg, that says they're only there to try and help you. They don't want you to fall over. And it turns out to be Hugh. Um, and Hugh and Picard have a, a a very nice greeting scene, and I, uh, where they even hug each other. And I found out that actually came from something that uh, Jonathan Delarco, who plays Hugh, had said. I want to have some sort of greeting with you, uh, and they talk about it being a friendly face. And he actually said to Patrick Stewart, "Can I hug you?" Because he was treated as if he was seeing his father. He, uh, he did. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. I thought it was a lovely story. Yeah, because there, there's real warmth and, and, and emotion in that. So it's very, very believable. Yeah. Now, I as well that Picard had sent Hugh Borg back into the collective again to hopefully ter- change them with with humanity uh, once he's back in the collective and they have become his cube, ended up being severed from the collective. I remember later on, and I think it was series six of the, of the Next Generation, uh, some of them had joined Lore and he was fighting with another set of small board to fight against Lore and the ones that yes. he was controlling. So in some ways, Picard had actually shafted Hugh, but Hugh by this time has, I think he he probably has nearly been the one that's most successful getting his humanity back because you see complete compassion in the man. There's nothing, there's not that uh, coldness that you would get with Seven of Nine. That's true. Yeah, Hugh's very much, he is human. In fact, he's he's nearly even more human than Picard. Yeah. Because Picard's still incensed. And, and it takes you to actually walk him through and to show him that the, the, the wonderful work that's being done. For Picard to do a, a full 180 from, I hate the bastards, look what they've done to me, to, my goodness, they're victims. Yeah, because you that see that. quite a part. Uh, this, really, if you think about this entire episode, it's been really big for pulling big emotional responses from the viewer and creating quite emotionally charged scenes. Really, this has been the biggest episode to do that. And you've seen that, I mean, again, you see that Picard, 
you've got to think about this logically. If this was relative, this is a man who has been kidnapped, he's been tortured, all these horrible things, so he's going to have PTSD. And of course, when he was captain, he wouldn't have really had time to deal with his PTSD. When he was admirably, he wouldn't have time because his entire room, his entire thing is you've got to keep going, you've got to keep going. As bad as it is, I've got this crew to look after, I've got this stuff to do. And now is probably the only time he's really getting to face it. What I love is the fact that <laughs> when he, they're talking about uh, Soji and he's going, oh, yes, I know who Soji is, I know who this person is. Oh, yeah, and this weird guy, weird Romulan guy, I think was a spy, <laughs> showed yeah, up on the show. <laughs> comment. Uh, really, oh yeah, I think he's a spy. Well, could you not have looked after Soji maybe a wee bit more, or given her a clue? I actually love the uh, the, the reclamation end that uh, Hugh is in charge of because it's like it's like a scene from Ten Years Younger, where they're all getting Botox and fillers. So all these, well, only it's not a great job to be perfectly honest. You know, they're getting a complete fashion makeover. Like it's a whole Trini and Susanna thing going on in this particular area. I still can't believe that. In the, in the 21st century that they really couldn't give these people better better plastic surgery than they have I mean they're very Mickey Rourke looking <laughs> you don't mean young handsome Mickey Rourke you mean Mickey Rourke now where you I think you and I have discussed this haven't we where unfortunately Mickey doesn't look like Mickey anymore um... <laughs> you know doesn't even look like Mickey Mouse I don't know what the fuck he looks like anymore but that man is but it does way the Borg probably look better, less spare parts. Well, as I once said, if I had my pitch take with Mickey Rock and showed it Sunday, just said, who is this? They'd probably absolutely nonplussed. <laughs> recognisable in Iron Man. You have to sort of look him up and go, who is this boy? He looks vaguely recognisable. Oh yeah, that's Mickey Rock. I understand. Yeah. Or the parts of Mickey Rock. Uh, it's a shame. It is a shame because, yeah. But anyway, we're, we're getting a bit, we'll, we'll discuss this later on. <laughs> uh, so we cut to Narek and his, his paedophile girl, oh, Narek the paedophile and his little girl girlfriend um, in the in the room. And he's saying, basically, you've got false memory implants. I'll take to a special place. The more I think about this, the more creepy this sounds, actually. It's like, get into my van, little girl. <laughs> yes. Would you like a sweetie? Yeah. Look at all the I'll comics that puppies. I have for you as well. <laughs> and he's got that damn box again going Honestly, that's like offering a kid a toy, isn't it, really? The box. <laughs> we have such to show you. <laughs> but uh, we then cut back to the, 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 as you said, the real sort of, well, the, the, the cool sort of like, I don't know, surgical section, isn't it, where they're doing work on the, the poor former assimilated Borg people. And you are right. It's, it's an interesting one because... These people are all have been severely damaged, and they could obviously only do so much repair work on them. Um, it is a bit like, in some cases, they've been to a Turkish hair hair transplant clinic, where it's sort of right, but not at the same time the work that's been done. But you do see, like you said, the turn in Picard's attitude. You see, pretty, you see more of the Picard of old, I guess. Actually, the sort of like the more um, liberal. The, do they use the term like bleeding heart liberal? He's less the Daily Mail reader. <laughs> yes. he has become recently as people get older they get xenophobic and start reading the Daily Mail but he is quite um, uh, quite. well you see the softer side of him don't you the more huma- the humanity as they would say of him the, the more willing to help people and he, he even thanks you know uh, Hugh for this because he, he obviously it's made him feel better restored his faith and probably made him feel a bit more 
relax. And then a great point he makes is, well, if you are someone who can turn around and say to people, the Borg, it's, uh, you know, the free and we're helping them. What a wonderful thing to be if you would be the person who, who was able to do this. And Picard seems surprised, but I see the logic of that. It's like getting someone who's, say, been kidnapped by terrorists to then who've been released to say, well, actually, you know, we should try and work these people. We should try and help them. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Again, that's Hugh showing his humanity. Uh, yeah. He's still, he's the Borg with a heart. Even whenever he was in those early TNG series, he was the Borg with a heart. Um, you couldn't help but love him. And as an adult, a much older person now, he's still the same lovable character that he was. Actually, I was absolutely thrilled that he was back again. Yeah. I think the last time that I was a bit worried that these characters were only going to appear briefly each time, like seven, because I still don't think she'll be back again. Um, no, I don't think she you. will. No, I thought we only had Hugh for 10 minutes and we've had him playing, playing a very important part, actually, in in this episode, setting the scene, explaining things, really showing what, what the, the problems and the prejudices that the XBs suffer from because people fear them. They, they don't believe that there's nothing now wrong with them and they're being used as well. They're being used as slaves, effectively, whenever you yeah. see them on the ship. Because there is one scene where Hugh says that we swapped the, the board queen and our queen is now Romulan. Yes, I like that. I thought that was a good little line, that. That was a, an interesting telling uh, moment for them. Cause it jumped, but it jumped from that just to like a I call it the exposition because, uh, point because they have like you know Raffi and the the captain having a chat and he's explaining where they're up to. Debate. I'm doing this is very quick throwaway. It seems a bit unfair, but she's sort of saying, "What do they want with a synth? Why would they want a synth?" So it's just a you know it's a move the the thing forward moment. But as you said, he does give her a cup of coffee. So ah bless him. I know. I mean, I've got I brought you coffee. Big fucking deal, mate. See, in the 21st century, you have to get up off your ass, pour water into the kettle, and heat it up. Mm. All you had today was today was coffee, hot, black, whatever yeah. it is, and hand it over. Not quite the same. Not the touch of gesture it is in the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> Load up the coffee maker and listen yeah. to it percolating. <laughs> we burn more calories in this, in this century doing <laughs> on the past than obviously they do in the 24th. <laughs> So, so it gets uh, a bit a uh, bit more interesting. So we obviously see that uh, Narek, as he's dragging his child, I see I'm going to be a slightly off on the terms, but we're going to refer to Soji now as his child bride, as he's yes. dragging around the ship. Is uh, yes, definitely. It's most inappropriate that he knows he's been having sex with somebody who's three years old. Yeah, I mean, we've just gone even more pervy than <laughs> normal on this series. But uh, <laughs> it's more disturbing, I think, than even pervy than we've got. Actually, right, yeah, it's just sick, basically. So yeah, we've gone into the sick, disturbing section of the show. But we get to see Narek being well. See, between us, I can't take Narek seriously when he tries to be a badass because. He looks like about, you know, like six stone wet through sort of thing. And he's squaring up to this big security guard guy going, well, I outrank you. You've got to let me and uh, Soji in. I don't find him particularly threatening, though. No, he, he's just, I just don't, I don't find him attractive at all. I, I don't even like to look at him. I can't help you on this, Joanne. <laughs> I know this. I, I don't hate him like Agnes, but I just find him a- <laughs> 
it's just in a different way. And his sister, his sister should have been the one seducing Suji. They could have fallen over the end of the earth if it had been her, but not well, now. Yeah, would that not have created such an amazing different dynamic if that had been the case? Oh, yes. Think that how different been, that would have been. Yeah, then Narek would have been saying, no, don't do not do that. Uh, go easy on her. <laughs> but that would no, have made, would... to me, that would have made a lot more sense. That would have made a, would have been a lot more interesting because putting aside the, you know, I'm a man, the lesbian thing. Well, I'm going to put that to one side. We're not going to discuss that. Um, but looking at the fact that the sister is this real badass character who's manipulative and a take-no-prisoner, that would have been a lot more interesting if you then had Narek as this guy was a, a bit softer. But in fact, the whole thing would have made more sense. To see Narek as like a diplomat at Starfleet, who's not this sort of obvious sort of tough guy sort of thing, that would have worked, I think, as a character swap. That could have been a lot more interesting. I'm actually wondering, is his character as weak as it is? Because he's going to flip and join Picard later on. And that's why he appears weak. I wonder, is he going to go on the run from the Romulans? Ooh, Joanna, we're doing a bit more of our soothsaying future prediction stuff that could be yes. right. Now. This is what I'm wondering, because he has fallen in love with her. In fact, whenever they get into that weird, trippy out room, he does yeah. tell her his proper name, which is something that I have written down, but I can't flip and pronounce. So I'm not even going to try doing it, but... <laughs> He uh, no, he he doesn't. Again, he's maybe the wrong actor for the job. Part we can see why they've cast him. Actually, discussing it, he's got a pleasant face. You know, he's got he's got a kind face. And as an actor, if you're going back to the sort of character he's, he's played in the past, if you look at Penny Dreadful when he played Victor Frankenstein, he was a pleasant character in that. You know, he wasn't a particularly nasty character. So I think it's probably the fact that he's got a kind face, sort of kind eyes, so he's not going to be seen as threatening, which is, makes sense to why it appealed to Soji, I guess. But I think we could have had a much more interesting dynamic if it had been the sister seducing Soji. Because Soji is seen as a bit of a weak character herself. So if you had this sort of powerful person taking charge in the shape of the sister, I think that could have been quite an interesting change. Yeah, we should have written this trailer, shouldn't we? It would, be, yeah. <laughs> it would have been a lot darker in places. <laughs> be no lights. I mean, it would be really dark in places. Yeah, it would. In fact, you and I really should team up and write something. I think we could create something amazing. But that's one for a, a different conversation. <laughs> I think I think it might be. I don't know whether anything is X-rated anymore. <laughs> Eighteen plus, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, we'd have it. We'd have it on some. Our initial thing prend up on some weird triple X channel somewhere. <laughs> Only being seen by. Pornhub. They probably do need writers, John. We might be onto something. <laughs> you imagine directing that. Oh, you went. You said there. Ah, 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 oh, oh. No, you need to go, uh, <laughs> more emphasis. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you went, ah, uh, oh, 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 you need to, oh, 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 ah, uh, ah. Exactly. And that not a shit. That Shibari <laughs> is terrible. You need to go back and learn how to tie properly. They're going to get out of that. <laughs> that. I mean, let's face it. I think uh, Narek's sister, Narissa, would be brilliant at Shibari. She would have Suji hanging from that ceiling in about two minutes flat. With the most exquisite knots. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. It definitely should have been the sister seducing Suji, because who loves it? I mean, let's face it, we always love a bad lad as women. Yeah. 
and it's we're like bad women. So it would it would have been certainly a a much more exciting few episodes of Picard than it has yeah. been recently. But I do think it would have just made a much different run. I think it could have been a much better way of doing that power play. We can discuss that a little bit bit more towards the end uh, in some more <laughs> detail what we would do because we, we're digressing. But anyway, we're into like the weird. We're definitely into a 1990s disco or some sort of weird disco or uh, music video set because they're in there. They've got Narek and Soji in the uh, strange room where somehow the idea is that you can unlock her mind uh, and find out what she's dreaming about. And it's a bit like they've got Inception style, haven't they? Where it's like, you know, think about it and you can see things that you can't normally see in your dream and tell me all about it. And the dream within a dream sort of thing. But the thing is, you've just said about it being a 90s disco. All I can envision now is Saturday Night Fever. (laughs) (laughs) And the lights and the music, you know, do do do. Yep. I, I think I'm about to start singing Starsky and Hutch, I've just realised. And a fever. And the two of them danced across the floor. Now, again, that would have been much more interesting instead of the weird hippie trip thing that we get going on. Well, it also went really 90s disco and it kept, you know, going to the hot, the hot sister, paid by Peyton List, um, in like looking at a computer thing and talking to uh, Narek through his earpiece. And true to form, we then cut to Picard and Hugh. And Joanne, we've been right all along. We know we're always right when it comes to this stuff. We do see the future because clearly, you know, Soji's room is a student room. They go in, it's a complete shit tip. There's stuff thrown around everywhere and there's weird drawings and pictures everywhere. So to me... Drawings and pictures, yeah. There's nothing worse than people put something up on Facebook and say, do you like my art? Isn't it really good? And you're thinking, that's fucking shit. (laughs) I can't tell them. Artwork shit, but that would be walking into Susie's room. You'd be going, "Oh, I really like your art." Can't fucking draw. <laughs> she got that up. I mean, in Susie's defence, in her defence, strand the picture that is up that is a drawing of some sort looks like something a child would draw. And as we've now learned, she's only a child, so you know. Yeah, she is only. Th- I actually thought they were drawings from toddlers, and then I read somewhere that uh, actually, when you look at them, everything is. Uh, it's the jewel of everything, you know. There's two, the same two images in the drones, and, ah. and I actually looked at the the screenshots and thought, yeah, but they're two really shit things in one drone. I still can't make out what they're supposed to be. <laughs> but that is definitely a toddler. You'd have to go and say, Soji, tidy your room up. I don't want to. You have to tidy your room up, or you're not going to get to watch the cartoons. Yeah, no cereal for you either. <laughs> yep, no more e numbers. Nothing at all. You're not getting anything sugar, no chocolate, no whatever that's it is. Small children need that is. That's what I wonder. If Soji is like 37 months, if you give her a load of sugar, do you think she just goes hyper and starts like bouncing all over the place? <laughs> I suppose she kind of does back up in the other room because <laughs> the guys are able to do the workout. Uh, Hugh says she's here somewhere, but we can't see her. And as yeah. the car, somebody's actually masking her, her, her signal. And it goes to like the so they cut back and she's like within her a dream and then she can't see a father's can't see a father's face uh, which I don't I don't know who a father's going to turn out to be I'm assuming Maddox maybe who uh, knows? yeah yes that's an interesting one because just to skip ahead slightly his face is blurry when you eventually see it because it's and quite clever the way they do it he walks her through push push through the, the instance where your father shouts at you, stay with the moment. Yeah. Look outside, look up, which was a smart thing. Look beyond uh look beyond the orchids. 
so that you can see and she sees of course the equivalent of herself and we discussed the foreshadowing earlier that yes. that's her as a girl lying on a table she's Pinocchio yeah. well it's like it's yeah it's a way I mean again to me uh, my perverted mind just went to some sort of way creepy like mannequin sex stuff but clearly I have problems um, <laughs> That actually that reminds me of Laura again. There's Laura in a drawer. It was yeah. Laura, no, a B four. It was the B four drawer. B four in a drawer. <laughs> the B four drawer. And there's Suji. It caught up in the same sort of bits mm. as before was. Mm. Yeah, it, it's all. It's all about rebuilding and taking apart this episode. Uh, yes. breaking down the mind to take it to the next level uh, breaking the board down for parts to take them to the next level breaking Picard down to help him heal again correct yeah it's it's all about deconstruction to make up new yeah wow it's very deep for me I haven't just, just we have we've gone deep we've gone very deep are we, we going to resurface let us hope so so obviously you know they get the information they need and Narek is basically gives her a kiss goodbye but prior to that you see his sisters but I mean the brains of this entire operation is the sister isn't it she's the one who's yeah. oh, puppet metaphor pulling all the strings um oh, I, 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 and as usual, watching them dirtily from the corner. Always oh, yeah. Her. She likes she's a Yeah, she's a dirty cook. Narek uh, leaves her in the room. And Narek, I, I was a bit disappointed in this because Narek comes out. I know that prior to the discussion about him, he's a you know, nice, kind face. Da, 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 so Soji falls for him. He goes out the room and he set up his little... In fact, the more I think about it, this box really is like the box out of uh, Hellraiser because it opens and horrible things happen. But... With regard to Narek, he comes out of the room and he, he starts getting upset. And I think it would have been more interesting to see him being a real hard-faced bastard and not have had, not given a damn about a dying. Yeah, I just, was... I just felt like saying prick. He's just yeah. a dick at a particular point. And you have no sympathy for him. He's killing, no. allegedly killing the woman that he loves. But you can't feel sorry for him. You feel sorry for Soji because she's in yeah. trouble. I did he went down in my estimation even more. I just find him very weak. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he does come across as weak. If he come across as completely hard face, you'd be like, wow, you know, that that shows that he's just been a two-faced manipulative git the whole time. So they get, they're trying to gas her. You know, the, the Hellraiser little, whatever, I can't remember the bot, the... The, the cube company's called in Hellraiser, but their version of it opens up and starts gassing her, and she gets activated, as they say. So clearly, they have given her sugar and a lot of e-numbers because she throws a temper tantrum. <laughs> oh, my terrible three. Yeah, she breaks that floor up and starts punching her way down through the levels. And lucky for her, Hugh, at that point, is able to find her on the tracking device, and they run yeah. towards where they believe she's going to come out. Now, that was a great coincidence. Okay, I know we need to watch this <laughs> to work but it was a hell of a coincidence that the two people to find her are Hugh and look uh, Jean-Luc who yes. has a way of convincing actually to explain to her look I knew your sister it'll be okay you need to come with me oh one thing I forgot to say actually when they were in the room very clever Narka gave him credit because he when he asked her to look up she describes twin planets twin blood blood moon or twin blood red planets with mm-hmm. lots of lightning around them and the sister asked the computer to do a search on those parameters. So I mm. actually thought that was quite clever. And I think as well that his sister thought highly of him. You know, she had he had gone up in her estimate after after her doubting him so much that yeah. then she went, actually he was right, methods were correct. I don't think she'd be happy That's about true. him crying them at the end. 
needs a good slap to sort himself out. Um, what I really, one little throwaway bit I really liked is when Hugh and Picard are going to find Soji. They're cutting through a, 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 a corridor and somebody actually goes, Locutus? Wasn't that, that was chilling that bit. That, it that was. was. Wonderful. Absolutely I wonderful was, because yeah. I'm not sure whether you hear first and then you go no no I really did hear say because Picard looks back slightly and it, that was the clever but they didn't stay with that moment they moved on didn't. because yeah it wasn't a time for Picard to find out who had recognised him and I'm really hoping we find out who that Borg was at a later date I mean I just think it was absolutely brilliant little way of doing it to show that actually um, he has um, well people remember him as that you know as being Locutus, because up to that point you'd not really seen anybody else say it, but I just thought it was a great little thing. And it, it yeah, I just thought it was a brilliant little thing to, to include. I mean, you're right, it'd be great if they went back to whether or not, I don't know. But um, they go, they, they find Soji and the, you know, Picard is imploring to her, come on, trust me, trust me, come with me, I knew your father, which I don't know if that exactly motivated me if I was Soji, because she's been, she's finding all this weird stuff out, but obviously maybe she's just thinking better to go with these people than be stuck in this hellhole where I don't know what's going on, you know, and people have been trying to kill me. Yeah, I think maybe but, the necklace actually convinced her as well. Well, you, you'd be left with two thoughts. I can go with him and be safe, or my sister has gone with him and she's and he's murdered her and taken her necklace as a keepsake. <laughs> But I guess she, she trusts Hugh, doesn't she? And Hugh's there, so she trusts Hugh. Um, now, they then go into this little room that turns out to be something called the Queen Cell, which is obviously where the Borg Queen lives. I was really, really hoping Alice Krieg would appear at this point, but <laughs> clearly there, not. Yes, there's rumours. Was it you telling me that there's rumours that she it might was, be at some I told point? That you, she's yeah. been From what I understand, she has filmed either for this or the next series, something. So something is in the offing. It could well be for the next series, but I'm pretty damn sure from what I've heard of people that she will be playing a part. Now, the thing is that if you go into the Queen's cell, it seems that every, and it, it answers a lot of questions actually, because within first contact, like Picard makes the points to Borg Queen, he goes, but I saw the cube that I was on with you when I was the cutest destroyer. And she's going, are you thinking such a like 3d terms or something? Um, so obviously Every Borg cube has somewhere that a version of the Borg Queen. She must be able to just move her mind from one to the other to the other, but has a little place they can stay in. Um, but it even has like a place where they can beam out, which is what yeah, they're that looking to really do. Yeah, it was really good as well because again, that was not that was a throwback actually to Voyager. That was something that uh, that thing that they were able to use to beam out, and it was a maximum of forty thousand light years that Soji confirms. That was actually appeared in an early Voyager episode. They were on a planet and the Sicarians had that technology and the Voyager crew wanted to use it. I don't think it was able to leap that far. But for the fact that it's able to go 40,000 light years, they must have, the, the Borg must have actually, when they're in the, the Delta Quadrant, uh, must have assimilated the Sicarians and improved their technology. Because it was much more far-reaching than it had been in Voyager. Hmm, interesting, interesting. So I love the fact that Picard has blatant, you know, has expressly said to everybody, including uh, uh, Elnor, you cannot follow me. I have to be on my own. I'm not interested that you swore a blood legion sort of thing to me. And I'm going to be click on, but you've you know sworn this allegiance to me. It ain't happening. Don't come with me. And then the captain, it cuts back to the ship, and the captain goes, "Where's the kid?" <laughs> I- Okay, now that was a weird plot thing. 
Would he know how to actually operate the, the transportation devices? And he just seems to drop down out of his garbage chute somewhere in the exact <laughs> Picard was. True. Yeah, how the hell did he know where Picard was? Because Rafi says on board that comms have been dropped and they don't know where, where he is. They haven't been able to get in contact with him the belief he was in trouble. And Tickle Me Elmo is, is able to track him down to that exact spot that even the Robin don't know that exists on the so there that, that was the equivalent of uh, the EMH in the last episode that was a wee bit a wee bit of a leap uh, and I mean more than the leap that Tickle Me Elmo did down from the ceiling to rescue them so they call them a MacGuffin I think that's what they called aren't they where it doesn't make much sense but it moves the thing forward I also noticed that as I've got this on in front of me Picard suddenly looks less knackered he suddenly looks better he doesn't look as exhausted <laughs> Seriously, in the, the close-up, he suddenly looks a bit... Yeah, he looks a lot, lot better and a lot less frail somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, he got worried at one point that the man wasn't going to survive the episode. But yeah, he suddenly looks a lot better. And um, he basically... Because like, Elnor's done his stuff like beheaded people. Uh, and basically, the, um, the, the go-to, you know, um, Picard and... Uh, come on, Brain come work with me uh, so she uh, go and they do actually go to transport out they walk through which the whole thing of walking through also makes me think of a very old Star Trek episode sitting on the edge of forever where they can walk through the time barrier thing that takes them into the past that was a Harlan Harlan Corbin is it that was the writer Harlan Ellison maybe Harlan uh, yes that's it Arne Corbin, I think, was a, a comic book writer later on. Yes, that was just an amazing, amazingly good episode. Of, oh. Now, here's the thing. Tickle Me Elmo wants to, won't go with them, and it would have made more sense for he him would. to have got into the transporter. He's left on the, with poor Hugh. How the hell he's going to explain all this? Because he's trying to hide that room and has asked, actually, for Elmo's help to secure the room before, before the Romulans find it. How are they going to explain Elmo? What are they going to do with Elmo? <laughs> He's been left on this artifact with no way of getting off. He's under Romulan um, restrictions. He is Romulan, mm. so he would be they'd be quite entitled to sentence him to death, whatever way they... Because it's their law, and he's Romulan, and he has to abide by their rules. It's true. What's going to happen to Hugh? All the good work that Hugh's done. Can he get out of it? Now, he's a Federation citizen. Oh. Yeah. Possibly the worst they can do to him is kick him off. But could the Romulans use it then to... Uh, well, would it, would it be an act of war? That's what I'm wondering. If we were saying that them sailing their ship into Romulan space was an act of war, there's there's the death of Romulans. Mm. Pretty severe. I just hope they actually deal with the ramifications of that and don't don't throw it away just for the sake of the story. It, certainly I appreciate maybe the next episode because they've been being to another planet and the uh, La Serena is is on on their way to, to get them, but I hope it appears, if not the next episode, the episode after that, to explain what happened to these two characters. I mean, I do love the way, and you're right, we do, it's going to be very interesting to see how they pull themselves out of that one, but I love how the, um, Elnor ends with his, like, his line of, please my friends, choose to live. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, shit's going to get real. <laughs> That's the uh, the Star Trek version of Terminator. Come yes. with me if you want to <laughs> Um. So 
as the episode went, uh, I enjoyed it a lot for the emotional, as you said, it was about the whole thing of like, well, how did you put it? Like, you know, someone taking apart, being taken apart, put together and having to move forward emotionally. Um, How did you find it, Joanne? What would you give it out of 10? I thought it started very slowly. I thought it started very meh again. Uh, I was certainly a lot happier with the ending, apart from that plot hole that we talked about. I would say maybe a seven. It's still gripping me as much. The series still isn't reaching the heights that I was really hoping it would. I'm a wee bit worried. I still do wonder the fact that it's dropping in these 40, 45 minutes episodes once a week. Is that crippling? Because it's not, I don't think it's strong enough to stand as a weekly episode. There's not enough going on in it. It's chopped and changing. As you'd said before, it's a possibility that it's being chopped to bring it down into this much tighter time frame. An extra 15 minutes on that program would have been great. You would have more time get to know the characters, to develop them, to develop the storyline. A lot more time to move it forward. 45 minutes is nothing. It's true. It's true. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I'll probably again give it a seven as you gave it. Um, I think from a purely emotionally driven piece, I think it was brilliant. The fact that it looked at the you know, the PTSD impact upon Picard, the emotional impact of the problems that Rafi's experienced, um, I think were very good, very well-driven pieces. And it probably explores, again, what would happen in, let's be honest, a war setting, what the impact it would have on people. Um, I do think, as I called it, the, um, the you know, relationship or whatever that's going to happen between Agnes and the captain seemed a bit, a bit forced, a bit by the numbers. Yeah. Maybe not so much needed. Yeah, do you know, I'm actually where they're trying to do a Han Solo Princess Leia type thing going on there because he is he's the generic hero. He's the rogue. He's yes. good looking. He's, you know, he'll say things and to appear that he doesn't care, but really he's got a heart of gold. Are they, t- well, she doesn't come across as Leia to me, but no. just a romantic space. <laughs> In that element, it would have probably made more sense from to have a relationship with Rafi, though. Yeah. Though I, I think that, that would have been so damaging for Rafi because they've, they've been friends. For so, I don't think she could handle anything at the moment. Hmm. So, that's, that's what I like. True. Her, actually, she, she did the burnt out cop bit, but she didn't do the emotional woman bit. You know, uh, Agnes did that. Oh, I'm an emotional woman, therefore I need to, to shag a man. Didn't do that. She was off a lot more, and she was drunk, and maybe her inhibitions would have gone. But she never, she didn't let that drive her. She was caught up on her own grief. She's gone through a grief for she's how she's dealing with it through addiction. Hmm. Well, I think we probably hit. The, the best point for ending our uh, review of the episode. Uh, I think it has, it's going to be a very interesting to see because I think there's only four more episodes left, four or five more episodes left. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, so once again, Joanne, I'm going to say a huge, huge thank you for joining me. And Thanks, I hope we will not be disappointed with the next episode. I hope not because I feel like I'm coming on here recently, sort of putting a real doubter 
run it, but I just have such high hopes for it. I really do. And they have and they have the best captain ever in Starsland. They just need to remember that. It's okay to go on the frailty of somebody, but you need to you need to have your hero back. I couldn't think of any better way to end it. So on that note, I think we've been talking enough Codswallop. So I am James. And I'm Joanne. And we look forward to uh, well speaking again on the wonderful topic of Picard next episode. Thank you very much. Thanks, folks.